I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Josh Kerr, uh, former Lobo, current Brooks Beast, currently the fastest 1500 runner on American soil. If you haven't checked that out, definitely check that out. I'll post the link uh, in the show notes, but a Scottish runner and co-host of the Sand Kick podcast. So thanks for joining me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've been talking about this for, uh, for a little while. So I'm glad this, this worked out. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely good. And, you know, we get a lot of boring media requests, so it's kind of nice to be on something that I've set up for myself. So, yeah, no, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> well, good. Hopefully this won't be boring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, normally I ask people how they got into running and, and got their start there and everything. But, you know, you've kind of covered that in, in the Sing Kick podcast. And so I don't want to you know, rehash too much of that. And I'd rather people who haven't listened to that, you know, go ahead and go back and, and check out some of those episodes because you go into a lot of detail on, you know, kind of where you got into running and how you ended up, you know, as an international runner at UNM, which that episode I think was really great and probably helpful to a lot of people, you know, in that same boat as you and even just people looking at colleges in general. Uh, but I, I guess what I wanted to start with is when you guys first decided to start the podcast, what were you guys thinking? Did this, were you planning this like pre pandemic or did this kind of come out with like, Oh, we got nothing else to do. So let's, <laughs> let's get going. So we, we planned it myself and my uh, co-host David Rubich. We're, we're teammates over the Brooks beast and, and uh, Dave actually gave up quite a lot of his kind of summer fall break um, to come and train train with me or, or help me out before the uh, the world championships in 2019 and from there we obviously spent a lot of time with each other just one-on-one -on -one and and we did a lot of like kind of runs and and we we just kind of settled in idea it'd be kind of cool to you know for some of the conversation that we were having to maybe put that out there and and see if people are interested in, in hearing what we have to talk about and and as long as we find it interesting, exciting, and a little bit different, then it's it hopefully would be that like that for the listeners too. So we just kind of I'd done a lot of media um, in 2019, and I was just I was bored of the questions. I was bored of the questions post races. It's like how you know how how did you find that race or like how was training? It's like we we weren't able to kind of showcase our personalities as much on the on the kind of interview format on you know post races and things like that so we thought it would be kind of cool if you could bring in a couple of um actual professional athletes and get get to ask the questions that we want to be asked to the to the athletes so we were like let's let's go from there and then it took a lot of time to kind of as you probably know like to get a podcast started it, it's pretty nerve-wracking to even put your first episode out so we recorded i think three or four times before we even released one uh, and then we kind of went from there and allowed the podcast to kind of mold into what it is now and it's always chopping and changing but we have some features on there pretty regular but we just kind of you know as we get better at it we you know we kind of change things and, and try and get better overall so it's better for the listeners really 
Well, I think to your point about the personalities, it is definitely for anybody who hasn't checked it out, do at least check out one episode, check out one of the interviews because it, it is, it's, it's completely different, completely different than what I'm doing, completely different than what, you know, most of the inter- interview styles with professional runners, professional athletes are. I mean, you guys are, I'm assuming you know a lot of the people that you're talking with, like you've seen event races, you've talked to them, but just the, the back and forth, I mean, the whole banner bowl was, is just, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of fun. Where did, where did that idea come from? Was that just within that? Like, this is what we do. Yeah, no, it was, it, it kind of just came about because we had, um, our first couple of ones, uh, our first couple of episodes, we kind of asked our Instagram page, like, Hey, if you want to submit questions, um, to this, to this, um, athlete that we're having on, then, then do that, but try and make it fun or something like that. And then we ended up, it was like, we, we did it live in person and I think it was with Garrett. Uh, so we had Garrett Heath on and, and we were like, Oh, well, where are we going to put all these like sheets of paper? We'll, we'll end up putting them in the bowl. And I think maybe Dave, I'm sure Dave will claim it that he, he kind of came up with this term of banner bowl. So that kind of morphed into what we do now, which is just pretty much speak to friends and family members and, and training, training mates and stuff, um, off the athlete we have on kind of dig up some dirt and, and get them to explain a couple of things. So it's just kind of making the athletes a bit more human. And, and we know, I mean, there's, I mean, in the terms of say like Grant Holloway, we had Grant Holloway on. I met him once at a press conference um, at the NCAA champs indoors and we spoke for maybe a couple of minutes. And then from there, it was just like, all right, let's message him and see if he'll come on kind of thing. So that's kind of mostly what it is. It's a very, you know, um, baseline friendship, but, you know, similar, obviously we do similar things. So it's uh, it's kind of easier to get that in with athletes that if, if you're kind of on the circuit with them with all, all the time. But yeah, I think we're just comfortable talking to anyone really about about what we do day to day. That makes sense. Uh, but, I, you know, and I get your point, like you guys know what you want to ask and know where to like. I I think at this point, when people come on, they, they know what to expect from from what you guys are doing. You've been doing this for um, just over a year now. And, you know, I think. I'll even, you know, even from my perspective, you know, I don't want to like, oh man, if I, if I ask the wrong question, maybe <laughs> they may not want to, you know, come back on or promote it or, or whatever. And, and you guys are just having fun with it. Um, yeah. it, it, I mean, it just, it's, it's, uh, like I said, it's a different style, but it, it definitely showcases your guys's personality and you can tell you guys are having fun with it. Yeah, that's that's a big idea. And as soon as we aren't having fun with it anymore, I'm I'm pretty sure we wouldn't do it. But and we we just for some reason created it into a business. So we're now business partners. Uh, yeah, we flipped the card to see if someone would get fifty one percent, the other <laughs> one would get forty nine. But we ended up being uh, trying to be a bit healthier on fifty fifty. But yeah, that, that kind of goes into the the jersey sales and and we had a lot of people trying to. Um, you know, reach out and try and sponsor episodes and stuff like that. So we had to kind of turn it into more of a business, but it means that we're in it for the long haul, I guess, because we paid a fair few fees for it. <laughs> well, then I guess that means you both have to stay on the same team for a while. 
Well, that's the thing is like, you know, Brooks have been amazing with with um, supplying the, the podcast with gear and stuff. But that's, you know, I'd like to think that me and Dave are going to be on the same team for, for most of our careers. But, you know, maybe that's not the reality of the sport. Maybe it is. Um, but if, if not, I mean, the good thing is it's not kind of related to Brooks. It's not sponsored by Brooks or anything like that, because that would kind of that would, you know, start some issues, I guess, with that. But. You know, Brooks have been great thus far, and and they're always back in the podcast, so we can't we can't complain just now. <laughs> I mean, most athletes. I mean, they're not going to bash their their endorsement deal. You know, they're not going to no. talk, <laughs> talk bad bad about it. You know, but I the the people who run for for Brooks, the people who are out there. I mean, they definitely speak. You know, very highly. I, th- I think Brooks and um, Hoka. I think the, the the two brands where the athletes like really like, you know, you hear these stories of like, well, I'm I'm being supported this way. I'm doing I'm doing that, and it sounds like you're feeling the definitely that same way with Brooks for sure. Yeah, I think you know when you have a smaller company or you have a company like Brooks, which is like run only, you're very focused on. You're an athlete that's not a number. You're an athlete that has a name, and and you know has crazy opportunities like at Brooks we have crazy opportunities like during the fall we all have an option to do an internship a full or a kind of part-time internship I did mine with the finance team I was sitting two chairs away from the CEO of the company like every day for like three months like stuff like that it's like you're very involved in the company we have um we have meal cars in Seattle so we go and have lunches uh, at Brooks HQ and uh, go and sit with you know some of the staff and and everyone kind of knows who's who and and things like that so it's it's a very homey feel and it's much easier to have have great respect and and want to run as well as you can for a company like that for sure um versus you know some a company that maybe you've you've never met you know some of the higher ups or you you, you know you, you're not as in touch with the marketing department as as we are and um so yeah it's definitely a different feel and that comes that comes with it being run only it comes with being only one of only, you know, 15 Brooks sponsored athletes, you know? Yeah, no, that makes sense. And that's, that's really cool. That's a cool insight that I didn't know, you know, about Brooks, that internship just sounds, and that's an awesome way for you to get some experience when, you know, the running stuff is, is done, hopefully a long, long way down (laughs) the road. But I mean, that's, that's really awesome. I didn't know that they did that. And now is your degree in finance then in business? So I have an undergrad degree in communications, but I'm one class away and get my master's in business. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So, uh, yeah. I think so on, on a, cause I'm on a professional athlete visa right now. And so I'm only allowed to do part-time education. So it's taken a little bit, but we're, we're getting there. So we, I'm going to finish the last class in, in the fall and then be done with, be done with that. So, yeah. Nice. And is that through UNM as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like a 3-2 program. Um, so I did three years of my undergrad. And then I, it was going to be two years of my master's, but it's going to end up being three-ish of the master's. And so, yeah, I've just been at UNM the whole time. It's been nice with just the online stuff, but those teachers are getting lazy, man, I will say. <laughs> the tuition fees down. Jeez. <laughs> Not getting your money's worth right now in the pandemic? <laughs> oh, no. No, it's, I'm watching like three-year-old lectures and stuff, and I'm like, this is just not it. <laughs> I, oh man, teach. I mean, I I teach, but I teach third grade, and 
online stuff is just, it's hard when you're not used to doing it. It's definitely tough. I can't imagine doing it at the university level, but, yeah, um, you know, they, they should have a lot more support than I do. So <laughs> I know. Right? Well, the thing is if they, if they tried to like, cause I don't have like, our last semester, I didn't have class. It was not, it wasn't like, all right, come to class at this time and, and we'll do, it wasn't like the teacher wasn't, the teacher wasn't even doing that. It was just using old lectures. And I'm like, well, I can't ask questions. I can't, I'm like trying to get into these, off, like it was just wasn't, it wasn't great, but that's uh, that's UNM for you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking of, of UNM, so you're, you're obviously finishing up your, uh, your degree there. Uh, you're here in Albuquerque, I feel like most of the time, right? Yeah, I would say so. It depends who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you know, in, in your training here, you've talked a little bit about it on on the podcast and I think some other things. But, you know, the being able to live in Albuquerque is definitely, you know, cheaper than Seattle. It's cheaper than than some other places. Why do you think that hasn't been a bigger sell to keep like a a group set in Albuquerque? So I think, so the, the professional group setup is very like based on where the company like lives. And so, you know, obviously Brooks's HQ is in Seattle. So that's kind of the base there. If you look at, you know, the likes of Nike, most of them are going to be in Oregon. If you look at, um, I think there's Reebok is over, I think in like Boston or something like that, somewhere on the East coast. And so, yeah, it's mostly based out of where the actual company is because, you know, even though we're training quite a lot here in Albuquerque as a, as a Brooks team, we are very much needed in Seattle. Well, not needed. I, I say we're needed. We're, we're wanted probably in Seattle a bit more because we help with, you know, the development of spikes, the development of shoes. We, you know, we, you know, the CEO and, and the marketing department want us to be kind of integrated into the company, even though we're contractors, we you know we're we're integrated into the company in the ways ways that they do and and um yeah they just want to see us i guess i think you know seattle's a great place to train it is very expensive but <laughs> you know for, for me it's i've obviously trained here for the last six years or so and i i react very well to the altitude so when the decisions are made to maybe do two weeks at sea level before going to u.s champs for for the most of my team it's like danny danny knows that my best best bets of making the Olympic team this year is, is staying up here and then flying straight to, to the UK. So being British, obviously, there's a bit more flexibility there um, because I'm the only British athlete. We have um, a Portuguese athlete, Marta Penfritis, and she kind of does a similar thing, but her husband and stuff are in Seattle. So, yeah. you know, my girlfriend stuff's here. So it's that's kind of the, the nice little feel that we, we have on the team is a little bit of flexibility with that um, when it comes up to near champs and stuff. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's that's awesome that they give you some of that flexibility as well. Kind of that professional respect, it sounds like. Yeah, I think, you know, when I signed my contract, I was still in school, you know, like actually going to school. So I had to be here and um, that was kind of part of the deal. And I don't think they thought it was going to take me another three years, <laughs> but, you know, that's where we are right now. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, me and Danny have a great, you know, coach athlete relationship and I'm very honest with him and some of the things that you know I want and and he'll he'll push me wherever I need to go and and kind of give me a little bit of flexibility when it's when it's needed but normally I, I mean I love being with the team and I'll be in Seattle for 
for as much as I can be with the team and or wherever the team is, to be honest. But for this little, you know, couple of weeks right here, I'll be I'll be here, you know, at my house and uh, training training for the trials, really. You know, you mentioned uh, the spikes there, um, develop helping develop those, and I saw it was a few weeks ago. Brooks put out a statement that their spikes weren't going to be, you know, ready for the competitions and everything. You could wear whatever you want. Now I know you you said on the on your podcast and everything like super shoes, whatever. You're just out there to run, yeah. uh, but. I thought personally, it was kind of a cool thing to just, you know, put out there. Like we want our athletes to do the best that they can, no matter what they're, what they're wearing. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a touchy subject to be honest. It's, it's very, it's an interesting time. You know, our, our Brooks spikes are, are making great progress. You know, you know, iteration by iteration, we're, we're really getting close to some amazing spikes. And this last iteration was, was something really special, but you know, I feel like the spike world kind of was slowly moving up and, and then there was just this big jump that no one was really ready for. And and, uh, and from there, you know, we're just playing a little bit of catch up. And, and so, yeah, Brooks were, were smart enough and, and um, loyal enough to their athletes to say, you know, we need you guys in the best, best stuff possible. And, and, uh, and, you know, right now we don't have a Brooks spike that there that's able to come out so we were able to kind of use a competitor spike but i'm not using competitor spikes in practice i'm not using competitor products in practice i think brooks's trainers are the best in the game i think their flats are you know i obviously i don't try any other flats um but you know the numbers that brooks are providing with with um with our training shoes are are something pretty special and i use the the kind of old older iterations of the spikes um in practice so it's uh it's just like a final puzzle piece. It's not. It's not really the whole picture. If you can, if you can see it like that. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And like you know, like you talked about, a smaller company is gonna have a. You probably gonna be you know a little bit further behind, but you know as much as these shoes. I mean, they're you know they've talked about. There's definitely advantages you know to the marathon shoes down to the you know to the spikes. But at the end of the day. I mean, it's still your legs that are <laughs> pumping through and, and doing the work, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the way that Brooks has come back from this and they've, I think they've settled on a, a pretty crazy budget for the, for the spike department over the next, you know, four or five years in the next Olympic cycle. So I'm really, really excited to, to see how Brooks has responded and, and how, you know, that first set of spikes that are going to come out from there and we're going to be pretty crazy. So you'll see, you'll see every, every, uh, every athlete in a pair of Brooks bikes soon, I think. <laughs> I, I wouldn't doubt you there. So especially if you continue doing what you're doing, that's a great selling point. Yeah, I like to think so. You can tell my sponsors that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you um, mentioned, you know, the Olympic cycle and everything and, and that you're going to be staying here before you fly out for uh, the British trials. So how soon? So that's at the end of June. That's the same time frame as the American trials are. So are you going to be leaving, um, you know, like the beginning of that week, like Monday or what's that looking like for you? Yeah, I think, you know, jet lag and, and uh, coming down from altitude, I needed around about a week or so and um, just to kind of settle into things. I mean, I've done it, you know, three or four days before I've done it two weeks before. It's kind of just it's all the same to me, to be honest. I've been doing it for a long time. So 
I thought I'll settle on eight days or so just for quarantine and um, for kind of just the rules over there and just to kind of settle in. So, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving, I think, on the 17th of this month. So a week tomorrow, I'll be headed over there and then I'll be there for, you know, a week before the uh, before the first round. And it's just a it's a two day competition for me. It's Friday, Saturday, uh, super intense, super you know, lots going on, very, very exciting races coming up. So, you know, it's it's a pretty cool competition. I think the Americans like to drag it out and make it boring. They could, <laughs> I mean, for somehow, for some reason, they're able to make the Olympic trials boring because it's over like two and a half weeks. That's stupid. No one wants to watch track for two and a half weeks unless it's the Olympics. So, yeah, we're, we're going over two days and uh, we'll, uh, it just means you can't double or anything like that. But it should be it should be a fun time. And I'm, uh, I'm very excited about it. Well, that, I was going to ask you about that. If if they were longer and you were able to double, is that something you would have considered? Um, if you look at like my racing, you'll see that I don't do it a lot. I don't I'm very much a guy that likes to prepare get really ready and then smash a, a race out of the park. And so for me, it's like, I'm, I think there's definite, you know, benefits from doubling. Like I would love to, to get in that eight field and see what I could do. Cause you know, there's some really good 800 meter runners right now in the UK. You know, I would love to try the 5k at British championships. It's only one round um, and stuff like that. But you know, I think I have I have pretty pretty clear goals in my mind, and, and I'm not sure that they fit as well. And and you know the 1500 is just such the focus right now that I just think you know let's just stick with that. And if it was a, a longer competition, I'm not sure. I think it would take some convincing for me to stay there for an extra week or so um, before training for you know the Olympics because we only we have like maybe a month and maybe five weeks or something like that. And for me, it's like I'm really. I approach training very much like I do racing um, mentality wise. Uh, it's not like I, it's not like I just, I'm scared of racing. I, I just, I think when I race, I want to get it really, really right. And, and uh, I don't see the point in kind of half-assing racing and I don't see the point in half-assing training either. So that's kind of where my mind's at. <laughs> so you're not going to go out and run uh, three eight hundreds in a row and no, that's super dumb. Actually, no, I'm joking. No, I, just, I, I, I don't personally understand that. Yeah, everyone's different, but you know, you could have done that in your local high school track. You didn't need to go and you know ruin everyone else's last chance to make their US US meet by taking the piss out of a meet. That's how I see it. <laughs> Fair enough. Is this going to be your? Uh, are your parents going to be able to be down there to watch you? Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen them in about a year and a half, so it's pretty exciting. Um, they're going to come pick me up from the airport. They're going to have to get up silly early to drive down to Manchester, but I think they're, I think they're pretty excited. So they're going to stay with me for the whole uh, 10 days or so that I'm going to be there. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great family time. I think my brother might be there. I'm not sure if he's going to be there or not. He, um, he, he just moved to Bristol to play um, for Bristol rugby and and they might be in the, the championship final right there on that weekend. So it's the same day as my final for, for British champs. So it should be a, a, a good weekend for the carers, you could say. And your parents are choosing to be there with you instead of with him, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they've been able to see my brother quite a bit. So uh, I think um, they're much more needed for me to be there because my brother obviously has his support system. And, and my dad actually does a bit of work for me. Um, so 
and my mom's a physio so i i kind of need both of them to be there so it's uh i think i, I steal them this weekend but they they've been to a lot of the bristol games and, and my brother has a pretty good support system so yeah that's yeah what I like. <laughs> yeah he gets it he's he's a little closer to home so it makes yeah, sense slightly <laughs> slightly that's cool that your parents um that your mom's a, a physio that can help you out like that as well I'm, I'm sure that is definitely helpful when you're out there instead of having to try to find, you know, someone else to help you out. Yeah, I think, you know, we get great support from British Athletics and I'm on their funding list. So it means that I kind of get, you know, treatment from them and be able to kind of use their resources. But, you know, obviously my mom's been treating me since I was, you know, as early as I was training. So um, she knows me very well. She knows my weaknesses very well. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's much easier just cause she's going to be staying in the same Airbnb as me. So I don't need to go anywhere. She can just do her work on me and she's one of the best in the business. So I can't complain. You know, you've got, like you said, you're, you're going to be heading out for the trials and it works a little bit different than USA trials, right? And yeah. I know yeah. you've talked about it before, but just for anybody listening who wants to make sure that you know, they know how you're going to get in. Yeah, I think, you know, I see it as very, it is very different. So it's top two, top two in the race, uh, in the final uh, with the qualifying time will automatically go. So even if you're third and you, you were the second person with qualifying time, it doesn't really work with that. So it's top two. If you have a qualifying time, you'll automatically go. The third place is kind of up to the discretion of British athletics, kind of more to do with like, you know, is it uh, a medal contender? Is it a future medal contender? Kind of who is like looking the best head to heads kind of stuff. Um, very political. And then if you were top two and you didn't have the time, you have like two weeks to go and run the time or a week. I'm not sure how long it is uh, to go and run the time. And if you do, then you'll go automatically. If you don't run the time, then you you, you won't go. So it's uh, we just had a another person i think run the qualifying time so i think we've got i think we'll have like six six people with a qualifying time um all looking for two spots well three spots but automatically two spots so yeah i back my chances but uh it should it's made the race a little bit more interesting i was uh i was having a tough time getting out of bed at points in the season because people were running so bad but you know people are finally turning up so <laughs> nice to see <laughs> And obviously, you're you're shooting to not leave anything to chance. You want one of those top two spots. Yeah, I, you know, I haven't ever won a, a senior British title. I've won quite a lot of age group British titles, and and that's my biggest goal is is uh, is is the British title. I think you know, I've been second, and I was tw- second in 2017. I was second in in 2019, and and uh, yeah, I'm 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 bored of that now. I think you know, I love winning. Uh, I think it's pretty evident that I love winning. So I think uh, that's that's the big goal is, is to go out and go and do my job and, and uh, come out with the gold there. Do you think it's going to go out fast or do you think it's going to be a tactical race? Or are you just preparing to do what you do? Well, if I'm being honest, I think I'm the one that is going to make that decision. There's a lot of followers in, this, <laughs> in, in Britain. So, yeah, I, I think... I, you know, I've decided what I'm going to do. I'm not going to let anyone know what I'm going to do, but, uh, yeah, people should be pretty worried. I would say. Yeah. That's great. That's great. And now this, I mean, this is a championship style, so there's no rabbit in this, right? Yeah, that's correct. So yeah, the, you know, we'll have a, we'll have a prelim the day before. And, uh, I think it's like top three in each, each section. We'll go through to the final. 
uh, plus like four fastest losers and then from there we'll have maybe a 12 or 14 man uh final and then from there it's it's just kind of who wants to go for it the most to be honest and and uh that's i think a very exciting time to be in the sport and you know i'm one that likes to turn up on the right day and and i have for for every team that i've tried to make so it's uh it's hopefully just going to continue that that kind of that that curve to to make every team that i want to make and and uh hopefully move on to my first olympics well i mean obviously i'm rooting for you i've pretty sure anybody who's listening to this will be rooting for you as well so i i'm, I'm excited to to see what happens i think it's going to be exciting i'm hoping that we can uh um you know i know where i can catch the the u.s trials hopefully i can catch the uh the british trials or there'll be clips on youtube i'm sure afterward if nothing else <laughs> yeah i'm sure it'll probably be the middle of the night for you guys but no maybe it'll be like 7 a.m or something um but i'm not sure what what channel it's going to be on or what stream it's going to be on but Hopefully they do a good job streaming it because I'm sure they won't have the biggest crowd there um, with with capacity stuff. So I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll have a good stream somewhere, and uh, I know Danny will find it for sure. So <laughs> yeah, I'll be I'll be on my I'll be at the New Mexico uh, state track meet, so I'll have to I'll be sneaking into my phone as much as I can to <laughs> nice. check out between British and, uh, and American trials that, that Saturday. So <laughs> yeah, hopefully a lot of beasts end up on that Olympic team. That's the big goal. Uh, that, I mean, that would be cool. I mean, obviously any, anybody with the New Mexico time rooting for, so I think <laughs> it'll be fun. I want to go back to the podcast for a minute. You know, one thing that we, uh, I didn't touch on that I, I wanted to talk about was the, um, the same kick jersey sales. You guys were selling those out. People could buy them and sold out pretty quickly. Um, but talk a little bit about that because I thought what you guys are doing with that is is pretty cool. Yeah, I think you know we we constantly talk about trying to get back to the sport, and you know we're in a very fortunate position where you know we already get paid. You know it's not our job to podcast, and and you know we're not we're not trying to do a money grab, and and we try and show that as much as we can. And you know we we wanted to have some sort of um, merchandise line because we feel like there's there's a gap in the market there because we just we just want to you know um, look out for some of the runners and athletes that were maybe had a, a tougher time during the, the lockdown and stuff like that. And, you know, the local races are starting to come back, you know, people are starting to get outside a little bit more. So we thought we'd maybe connect those two. We, we then hired on a, a designer and Julian Flores, which uh, I'm sure, you know, I think he, he came on this podcast. He did. Uh, he made some incredible designs and we kind of did some mock-ups and we gave Julian a, 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 the first singlet and he went and raced in it and, and kind of covered his travel for that and we thought you know this could go a little bit this could expand for sure so we we reached out to brooks and and they were more than willing to send us some apparel and so they sent us t-shirts and singlets on men's and women's side we designed them with our with our logos and with our faces just for fun and uh we just said look you know you know, the printing was pretty expensive because we, we went local with it. And so the printing was pretty expensive. So we added the printing on top of, you know, we were only, we were, we had to sell them at a certain price because of, you know, they were Brooks product on Brooks's website. And so we, I think it ended up being like $55 for the singlet and, and $50 for the t-shirt. However, we, we came out and said that if you want to race in our singlet, all you need to do is take a photo of you racing in the singlet or the t-shirt 
uh, and and we will cover your your race entry fee up until the up until like fifty five or fifty dollars, how much however much you spent on the singlet or t shirt. So we were yeah, we pretty much are gonna lose money on it. Um we we saw that very quickly, just I'm guessing people understood the message and it's very transparent. It's not like terms and conditions, it's pretty much you're gonna get a free singlet if you go and race in it. And uh yeah, we just want to help people go out and race and, and run in local races and kind of boost that community a little bit better. And uh, we're going to continue to do it. We're going to do different drops and we'll do lots of um, lots of fun stuff. But our main goal in every single every single thing is is to give back money to our community that listen to the podcast and give back to kind of the local communities and, and the local races and stuff. So, you know, it's the quality of the product is fantastic. It's, you know, the stuff that we turn up in our races in. it's our pro it's our pro singlet It's our pro you know t-shirt so it's definitely we're not we're not trying to we're not trying to scam anyone out of their money because they're going to get it right back so it should be a pretty easy process to go back through and and submit submit your form of reimbursement and then we're just venmoing money back um to the to the people that that bought the product again I, i just think it's so cool it's you know so many different people are trying to do something to create excitement create things within the sport obviously you know you got sidious meg who's been doing a a ton of different things uh you know the sound running putting on these meets during the pandemic you know trying to get all that i mean just all of this different excitement and what you guys are doing is just you know just stands out as as different because it is going not just to the professional side but you're you're helping out those local runners to you know, here, you, yeah, like you said, <laughs> we're giving you your money back. Sign up for the race, and here's your money. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty that's much pretty unique. <laughs> yeah, I think you know, as a business model, it makes no sense. But you know, we're here to we're here to kind of, you know, to be transparent. We obviously want people to be running around in our singlets. We want to do a little bit of promotion. So right. instead of paying for ads and instead of paying for, um, you know, being in in local running stores and stuff, we we just thought you know the best idea is just to to give people their money back if they want to race in our singlet. So it's the closest you'll get to being a professional runner without being a professional runner. I'll say, yeah. <laughs> and I do I do want to shout out to Darko Printing. They're the ones that I know you guys went with um, locally, and I've I've chatted with them before. They, they're they're pretty cool people. So. Yeah, they they did a fantastic job. I think their print jobs are are fantastic, and and we just we went for expensive prints, you know, like that that was our that was what we went for. We went for we wanted to make sure that the product that we gave out was was quality, and and you know they they do a fantastic job over there. They did a quick turnaround for when we asked, and and uh, they did everything that we asked for them to do. So yeah, we can't complain there. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're gonna put your face on something, it's got to be good quality, right? <laughs> I'd like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> so i want to talk about the racing now because i mean obviously you just had a big one i mean anybody who's tuning into this this is probably the part that they're they can they'll probably fast forward <laughs> through the first 35 minutes and get to this so <laughs> <laughs> you had said afterward that you knew you you were going to do something big your your buddy ravage and and podcast co-host you know even put on instagram beforehand that you know you were looking to do something big how how long have you had this in mind i guess so i believe that i was in 
some pretty good shape back in 2019. Um, you know, I, I front ran 333 at UW. I then run 332 and a half at, at World Champs after two pretty grueling runs in October at the end of like a really long season. So, you know, I've, I've definitely had this fitness for a while. I just haven't really been able to show it. You know, the pandemic races, I think my best one was 334 and a half. And, uh, you know, that's it's, it's a good run, but it's not it's not where I thought I was at. And, you know, I think the motivation level that comes with an Olympic year, the kind of the small details that you do. And, and you know, I, I hired on a, um, a mindfulness coach and a life coach. And, and you know, I was I, every box is ticked for me. Um, mentality is great, you know fitness was there I've, I've you know been injury free for a year and a half two years now haven't missed a day and so this consistency is kind of what's built up to that to be honest so it was uh i i was i'm obviously a, a confident person a confident racer so i thought i was going to run faster it was quite funny because people I, you know people were getting annoyed at me because i was just like a little bit disappointed like when i when i reflected on it because I, I thought that my last lap should have been a lot faster than it was, but you know, that comes with the strength that we're going to do now. But yeah, so it was, it was fun. It was like the races like that or, or, um, or just, or just like, you just got to go for it. And, and, uh, there's no, you know, pissing about with, you know, tactics or anything like that. It's just like, you know, grab the race by the scruff of the neck and, and go for it. And, and I feel like people respect that race wise. And, and sometimes, people will get away from that but I, I feel like it's it's very much my style of racing it's just gritty and and just ballsy really do you like front running i do i enjoy crushing people's spirits from the front <laughs> um it's uh it's uh it's 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 more difficult than than some other ways to race but why not go for it sometimes you know it is fun it's yeah it's just it's just riskier i guess is probably the best way to say it if you're not in in really good shape and uh, you know i trained a lot solo back and um, when i first signed with brooks I, I was training a lot with julian flores and and for the speed stuff and for the 400s it was like track work was more you know julian would help out but when it's more speed stuff he would kind of like hang on me and so it was just me pushing and and i kind of learned that skill through that again or relearned it really because in college you've got like a big group and trainer guys so that was that was just kind of how it worked so it was kind of nice to get back to that and then i realized that you know if i want to run fast i can't really rely on americans so i have to start <laughs> doing it myself and uh yeah i think it's, it's worked out so well and you know training with julian is 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 pretty special you know having a guy that's so strong um just go, like having him on temple days having him i mean the guy can sprint i don't know how i really don't <laughs> like the, the the week or, or last week it was like we did like a small track session before heading out to portland and it was like four by 800 and and four by 200 and the last three 200s were like 26 point and he was he ran 26 point every time i'm like I really don't know what distance you should run because like he'll, he'll hang on or he'll push on a tempo and then he'll hang on with those. And I'm like, I don't know. He's all around a pretty, pretty crazy good athlete. <laughs> yeah. I was shocked when I had talked to him uh, earlier, I think in February. Yeah. Cause yeah. I had him on just after a year after the trials and uh, the marathon trials. And when he had mentioned working with you, I was just like, I mean, you, training for a marathon how are you running with i don't these get guys? it man i don't get it he me and him trained together i'm trying to figure out when it was 
when was when CIM during the year? Do you know? Do you remember? Uh, like, do you know remember? It's December, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, yeah. So I'm trying to. I don't remember now. But we were we were training together. I was training for maybe I was training for indoors. That was probably what it was. And he was training for the marathon. And we would do the exact same stuff. Like he would. I think he had maybe ran ten miles more a week than me. I ended up running like three fifty three in the mile, and he ended up running two sixty in the marathon. It's like we did the like the exact same stuff. Like when I did nine three hundreds, he did nine three hundreds. He might have added a bit more mileage, like maybe 10, 15 miles extra a week. He did one thirty miler, and then he ran two six. He's he's crazy talented. I don't I don't understand. Yeah, I. I... <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. I can't even fathom that. Yeah. I also I saw one time too. It, he uh, he had posted he had done a workout, actually over at, at Sandia Track, which is where I um, do some coaching, and. I, he had posted just a picture of him and then he was like, oh yeah, I was working with, I said, that's an awesome work. And I was like, yeah, I was working with Kerr. He, he was just off the camera. I'm like, first off, how are you doing that with him? Second of all, our track is trash. Like, <laughs> hey, I ran 147 on there. I was happy with that. <laughs> when, during the pandemic, we went and did a time trial, um, 800. I think Julian ran like 156. Um, yeah. and got around 147 or 146 high or something like that. It's all right. It does the job. It's pretty hard, but it's it, uh, it's a lot of pounding on the legs when that's your uh, that's your main spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's oh, I mean that's that's awesome that you you've had that confidence, and I think some people could take that confidence as as cockiness. You know the way you kind of talk. I I consider it more of I mean. You're 23. <laughs> I think that's part of the part of the nature of that age. But I mean, do you find yourself just confident, or do you feel like you got a little cockiness in there too? I'm not sure. I think you know when you when you're coming up to a big event and you have worked so hard for it. I think if you don't, if if the confidence doesn't kind of come out of you then you're you're probably doing something wrong like we're we're in a sport where you know it's individual it's it's all on you and for me i've been i've been working for for a very long time and things are starting to come into place a little bit and you know i'm moving towards my first olympic my first olympics you know i'm ranked number two in the world like there's there's a confidence there for sure but it's just it's mostly like telling myself like you know you're good like you you've got to be you've got to be confident in what you're doing because when you turn up to race day it's going to be the exact same you've got to you got to trust the training that you've done and yeah if you know for me if 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 people take that as cockiness that's completely fine for me because you know the people who are closest to me you know my my family my girlfriend you know my my close teammates my close friends it's like they know exactly what work I've done they know I'm not lying about you know the, the confidence that I have and and sometimes, you know, they know where my heart's at, but you, you just need it. You need to have that self-belief in, and uh, in an individual sport that's just, it's uh, it's all about getting it right on the day. So if you don't have that confidence, you're just not going to be able to race like the way that I do. And and speaking of that, like you were right on that, the pacer, you know, the whole way through. Um, obviously, the pacer has had a couple. I, for, I forget his name now. You guys threw a shout out on the same kick podcast yeah craig nowak craig nowak he you know he's paced some some pretty uh quick times recently which is awesome did you 
you know, who who dictates the pace that the pacer is going at? So whoever pays the most, okay. actually. So, <laughs> you know, I, we we'd kind of discussed going after like a fast time and um, no X just right now in, in the US, especially like the best 1500 meter pacer. He's a great 3K steeple guy. That's that's kind of his main discipline. But, you know, he was able to pace Ollie Hoare to some fast races this year. And and he's he's kind of shown his caliber there. And he was great at 15 in college too, Oklahoma State. So, you know, I've known him for a little bit. You know, I kind of mentioned to Danny, I want to, well, we've kind of been talking about it for a while. That I wanted to run fast. You know, the the turnaround for Portland track was just too quick. So we wanted to do stub and turn. And I texted Danny, like, let's let's get this going. And, and um and yeah, Brooks paid, I think they paid like a thousand dollars and then Portland matched it to two thousand. But yeah, like whoever's you can kind of tell, like for for maybe a field at Portland, uh, there'll be a consensus, like we probably want to go this pace or whatever. Um, when people are kind of similar ability or the, the fastest person will most likely just ask for the fastest pace. But for for a specific event like that where the pacer was kind of bought for me. It was just like whatever I want to do. There was a lot of like, I was maybe going to go down to the second section um, because there was less people in it. But then because there was like 18 people in the first section, I was like, that's just messy. Um, but Portland Track did a great job of, of just putting more people down into, I think they made a third section or something. And so it was a bit more even. And uh, yeah, they obviously spoke to Noak, said we wanted 152, 153. And he did that perfectly. So, yeah, that's just kind of how the pacing job works in kind of more lo- more local meets than like Diamond Leagues. Diamond Leagues is more if you're the fastest person there, you'll ask for a certain pace. Will you get your agent to kind of make sure it's the fastest pace and whoever kind of bids the fastest pace is who, who gets it. And so, you know, that's kind of how it works there. But, yeah, I think, you know, Brooks paid a good amount of money. I only realized I realized this the, the night before how much they paid. And I was like. <laughs> Should probably get this one right. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but you know, Danny and and um, you know my my agents at Flintsport Management and and you know the Portland Track put on a great meet, and it, it wouldn't have been possible without them. And, and Noak did a great job. Right, and I mean, he he stepped stepped off. You had about six fifty seven hundred when he when he stepped yeah. off. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a lot on your own to keep that pace. And you, I mean, this, your splits were, I mean, right. I mean, really even with themselves. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know, well, so Pacers don't, oh, I don't think Pacers like me. And, and the reason is because I, I shout at them quite a lot. <laughs> um, so like every pace that I've had, I've shouted at in a good way, not like negatively, like Noak did a great job. I think he wanted to go further. But there's a certain level of like, if you've got in your mind that the pace has only gone 800 and I had a decision that I wanted to push after, as soon as he left. Um, and I just, I'd left like a little gap um, because he was pushing the pace really well. So I didn't need to be right on his heels. And so he left a little gap and I kind of closed that towards 800. And then I could see that he wanted to keep going. And so I had to kind of shout at him to get out. But in a race <laughs> that in a race that is that fast, you don't have as, as many characters as... as to be polite, you could say. Yeah. And so I was just like shouting off at him um, for like three times and he finally heard it and, and, and kind of got off and I'll, I spoke to him afterwards. I, I mean, I did it to my teammates. I did it to Lopez in college. I did it like, because <laughs> sometimes you just get in that rhythm where you feel so good that, you know, having a pacer that doesn't know that you want to speed up 
um is just is difficult to deal with and and yeah i think you know in a race like that i just had my checkpoints and i worked through them and and pushed hard and made sure that my my third lap was was quick and it ended up being i think one of my quickest splits um which is probably slightly too fast which is probably why i fell apart in that last hundred but it was uh yeah it was it was definitely a fun event i mean it it, it looked fun i mean you you like you said you closed that gap quick and then it was just I mean, you and yourself, I mean, I guess what goes through your mind at, at, at that point? I mean, you talked about having the, the mindful coach. You talked about, you know, knowing where you wanted to be. Like, I guess how aware of, of each kind of moment are you? Or are you just kind of locked in, like push, push, push? You're pretty aware. Um, you know, when you, when you break the race down into segments in your head, um, it's much easier to kind of get to the next checkpoint, do your job, do your push or do whatever you need to do. You know, I had Danny standing at the 200 meter mark talking to me and it's just, yeah, there's, there, it's weird, man. Like my brain sometimes just like goes to weird places. So I, with 150 to go, with 200 to go, Danny shouted at me for the last time. And he just said like, think, because we do some one, we did some 150s like two or three weeks ago. And he was just like, Think about 150 with Henry, um, who's my teammate on, on the Brooks Beast. And for like 10, 15 steps, all I could think about was how dumb Henry looks when he tries to sprint too hard. And he, <laughs> over, he overstrides and his arm come, arms come up too high. Um, and so I was just going to myself for like a good 10 or 15 steps. And I was like, oh, shit, I should probably not be thinking about that right now. And then I came back into it. But yeah, I think, you know, just staying present is really important and, and kind of being able to um, tell a story in your mind that isn't negative is also important. So uh, I'm very good at that. And I, I enjoy, I just enjoy pushing hard races and seeing where the limits lie. And, and uh, that was definitely a fun race for that. I, I, I mean, I, it's amazing to me. I think it was obviously amazing to a lot of people, obviously say, you know, number two time in the world this year, set an American soil record, which at first, everybody was saying was uh, previously held by Seb Co. Um, recently, I've seen some other things that it was uh, Rashid Ramsey. Yeah, I got told that on a podcast uh, on Monday. And they were like, you do realize that Seb Co. didn't hold that record? And I was like, oh, this could be really embarrassing if it, <laughs> if it was like faster than what I ran. But yeah, they ended up saying that, that the Ramsey guy is, is, a, is a drug cheat. So it didn't, it didn't count or something like that. Okay. Or it may have counted, but he, he, you know he got taken most of his times off, and so no one really cared. Got it, got it. Well, I, still faster than him, I believe. Anyway, yeah, but yeah, I think they were, he was thirty-two point two or something like that. So it was yeah. still, still slower, but yeah. But I mean, being, I mean, you Scottish, but you you run for Britain, uh, part of the UK. And what does it mean to have your name? A notch above Seb Co in anything. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely one of his easier records. Um, <laughs> but no, it's 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 great. And you know, I've everyone talks about the you know Co Cram Ovet kind of era, and and I, I I genuinely believe that we're moving towards an era that might be better than that in British distance running or middle distance running. Anyway, you know, with the likes of Whiteman, myself, you know, Neil Gurley, Charlie Grice, Chris O'Hare, you know we're running times as fast, if not faster than those guys. Uh, and, and I'd like to think that we, all of us have a little bit more in us for sure. So, you know, 
uh, I'm in a, I'm in a great era. I mean, you know, no one wants to be a fast athlete um, in an event that no one cares about. And so having all those guys around me is, is, uh, is definitely entertaining. It keeps me, it keeps me driven. It keeps me going. And, and, uh, it's, it's very easy to stay motivated when you're, when you're pushed at your British championship and know if you're going to make the team that you're, you're probably guaranteed a, a final spot. And then from there, it's, uh, it's, it's time to get some medals. So, you know, we did a, a great job in 2019, getting all three guys into, into the final from the UK. And I think we were the only country that did that in the 1500, you know, Kenya started with four and ended up with two in the final. And, and so we're, uh, we're well on our way to doing something pretty special, but it just needs to continue. I, I think it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I and mean, it's going to be, like I said, I, I'm excited to, to catch the British 1500 for sure. Um, obviously a little bit more because you're there, but <laughs> it, it should be exciting. I mean, it should be, I mean, there's some, there's some fast runners there and not all of them are collegiates, but they're still quick and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty amazing. You know, I, my dad grew up in that whole, you know, Sebco, Ovet and era. I mean, that's where I got my name. I am named after Sebco. So <laughs> that is, uh, <laughs> So it's always, it's, that's always been on my, like, I'm very cognizant of, of, you know, the things that he did. And, um, to me it's, that's pretty amazing. So it should be, it should be good for sure. <laughs> you know, obviously your, your goal is to get through British championships, British trials, and then on to the Olympics. And it's like you said, I mean, this this has to be just super exciting for you right now to be in this position to to see where you're at. And, and I mean, you know, you can you can put your numbers up with anybody in the world right now. Yeah, I think, you know, I've been working towards this for a very long time. And it's very nice to think the last race I ran before trials is, is a PB. So we're definitely in a, in a spot that is looking real positive. So, you know, it's that's the thing is like, you know, I've always seen it as, you know, making the Olympics means nothing to me. Um, making, you know, uh, getting an Olympic medal means something and, and, and getting an Olympic gold means, means the world. So it's just step by step for me. It's, you know, get through this trial because, you know, it's not, it's not a done deal. You know, there's, there's six guys with the, with the qualifying time. I need to go and do my job. And I take that very, very seriously. Um, but as soon as that's done, it's like done, dusted, forget about it. Uh, and then focus on the main job of the year. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an exciting time for me, and and it's just kind of the accumulation of a lot of hard work and a lot of hours since since I started the sport, and you know, it's it's coming together, and and I'm very happy that we're finally getting Olympics. You know, <laughs> I I'm glad too. I mean, it looks at this point that it's. I mean, like you said, we're we're just over. I mean, well, at this point, so you got trials in, in two weeks and then it's about a month till Olympics. So yeah, it would be really weird if they canceled it at this point. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. That'd be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's going through no matter what. So definitely be, be cheering. You know, you, you, you guys are doing, you and Ravitch are doing the podcast. You on the Brooks Beast, you also have um, Spencer, the athlete special, who's doing the YouTube videos. You've got um, Ali Ostrander, who's does who's now doing YouTube as well. Do you see that as kind of the future of of the sport a little bit? Kind of athletes. I don't want to say 
promoting themselves but i mean kind of i mean it's what, kind of what you guys are doing you guys are putting your personalities yourselves out there as well as obviously supporting the brand but do you think that that's where we're going to be heading to more um as this continues to evolve yeah i think you know i think it's a statement i think it's a statement to the media saying you're not doing a good enough job because if people are having to promote themselves then the media aren't doing a good enough job of promoting them and you know the likes of ostrander has a great following on instagram you know probably saw it as like you know a bit of fun she obviously dates spencer so spencer can kind of show her the ropes on that a little bit but yeah. you know um it's definitely a way into getting some popularity which you know can snowball into contracts and stuff but you know i think hopefully this this era of like social media can kind of move into more of you know other people doing media for you and and you know in in the bigger sports like football and and basketball in this country you know you don't see a lot of personal youtube channels and and the reason for that is because they get covered so well um and so yeah i'm i'm not sure for for myself and dave it's we just we, you know we do enjoy chatting and again it's it's saying to the media you know this is how you this is how you you know ask questions this is how we want to to have formatted and and you know hopefully it gets more eyes on the sport but you know, Spencer's doing a great job of, of promoting our team, promoting himself and, and find himself in a contract with Brooks. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for that. You know, if you if that's what you want to do, that's, you know, it, it's difficult. You know, being a YouTuber is is difficult. Like um, I know Ostrander is, is new to it and she'll always have a great following, but I'm sure um, it's probably harder than she thinks because you've got to have a camera person. You've got to be able to edit and it's time from, you know, doing your actual job. And and um, but yeah, if if. I, I don't I hope I hope it's not gonna continue of you know this era of having to promote yourself but you know that's kind of where we're at at the moment and I, th I think you know like you talked about the you know NFL NBA Major League Baseball hockey you know the major sports here and you know I know same thing with you know more international sports soccer you know even rugby things like that like You've got a federation who's taking care of those athletes and promoting their sport and promoting the faces that, you know, here's, they're telling you, here's the storyline. Yeah. And you guys are, are out there, you know, providing context for all the storylines. Like, Hey, here's what's going on yeah. here. Here's what's, <laughs> it's, yeah, that's uh, pretty much, yeah. I think, you know, teams are doing a good job of bringing that in. Like even Brooks bringing Spencer in is like, a way to promote us as well as as himself but yeah that's kind of that is that's the sports's job is to be able to promote their athletes better and, and hopefully that will grow especially in the olympic year i think people are have got a bit more eyes on track like it's it's very much one of the biggest olympic sports and that's what people like to watch and we don't get many opportunities we get to do that once every four years so we got to kind of grab hold of that with with both hands really right right it would be nice if uh we get those world championships up to the same level as Olympics because they're just as exciting and yeah. provide just as much drama. Exactly. Trying to explain to someone that a world championship is the same level as an Olympics is difficult when uh, people don't quite understand that because they'll sit and watch, you know, a week's worth of Olympic track, but then they'll not even think about watching the world championship. So it's just, yeah, it's just different. Yeah, it's, it is. I've, I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts that kind of are talking about this same thing. Um, and I think one of the, 
I didn't agree with all of what they said, but one of the things that I, that I heard was track doesn't need saving. There is, I mean, it's it's the most participated in sport in high school in America. It doesn't need saving. It just needs promotion. Yeah, exactly. It's just such an easily accessible like sport. You know, we're not asking people to. Uh, imagine themselves driving a Formula One car 200 miles an hour. We're just saying like, hey, go and run a mile, see how fast you run, and then compare it to other people who do that. It's not right. like it's probably the cheapest sport to be in. Like you don't even need a pair of shoes in, in, in some countries, you know. So, right. I, yeah, I, I don't I don't quite understand it. I, you know, it's it's sometimes, yeah, I would say it's just not getting the right promotion. I think you're right there. Yeah. And, and like you said, I mean, it is. I mean, people... People are out there all the time going out and just seeing like, you know, how how fast is my 5K? Can I get that faster? How fast can I go run a mile? You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to trying to run a fast mile nowhere near where you're at. But, you know, <laughs> I know how hard that is at the level I'm at and I can put that into into your level. It's it's a lot different, like you said, than all right, go and, you know, drive a car 200 miles an hour or get hit by a 300 pound lineman or <laughs> <laughs> exactly so but you know anyway I, I i think this is a a great place to wrap up i really appreciate your time um hopefully i can have you again on again sometime down the line after you've you know got some medals around you or something <laughs> that sounds good to me uh you know so i'll ask you the last question i ask everybody and that is uh what are you listening to to kind of get you pumped get you moving getting going for that workout or just up in the morning well you know i haven't been to the uk in a while you know people know the red hot chili peppers but i don't know if you know the red hot chili pipers tell you what they're they're a hell of a band <laughs> Um, or if you want if you want to hear um some scottish sounding uh singers then wellerman the sea shanty is is the way to go you know just gotta get bopping in the morning and uh you know my girlfriend hates that she hates that (laughs) which makes it so fun for me to listen to so that's where that's where i'm at (laughs) so it gets you going to get her riled up is what you're saying (laughs) yeah that's pretty much it Oh, well, that's great. I can't wait to to check some of these out for the playlist. <laughs> They're just covers. You see, like, the Red Hot Chili Pipers are just cover covering songs with bagpipes. It's hilarious. That is That does sound kind of fun, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, again, this, this has been awesome. I will obviously be rooting for you. Hopefully everybody else listening to this will be rooting for you. Um, I know you got bigger things ahead and I, I know that that 331 is is uh just a stepping stone so um i can't i can't wait to see what's what's coming up next so thank you again is there anything else you'd like to add before i let you go uh no i think you know it's it's definitely been fun i've had a i've had a good time on this podcast that you know a lot of this media stuff has been pretty boring but i've had a great time so thank you very much for that I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. 
You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at runningnewmexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.